Have you guys ever have you guys ever had to be totally reliant on someone else? I know as as babies, obviously, we all at one point in our lives had to completely rely on our parents to provide our needs, but we really don't remember those years, so I don't know if it really counts. Maybe you've been really, really sick, so sick that you couldn't make your own food or you, you couldn't take care of yourself or provide for your other needs. Maybe you've been injured and you have been rendered incapable of driving or making your own meals and unable to take care of yourself. Or maybe the, the roles have been reversed. Maybe you've been the care provider. Maybe you've done full-time care for someone who needs a lot of help, who, who relies on you. Well, this week, I got a lesson in total reliance. Okay? And I, I wasn't sick. I didn't get injured. Amber didn't beat me up or anything like that. No. What, what I, the lesson I learned this week was a result of Amber and I getting a new puppy. This isn't a joke. His name is Obi. Okay? Like Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> that wasn't on our minds when we named him, but his name's Obi. And Obi is 13 weeks old. He is a Bernie Doodle, which is a Bernie's Mountain Dog poodle mix. Um, now, Bernie's Mountain Dogs are pretty big. But his mom was a miniature Bernie's Mountain Dog, so she only weighed 80 pounds. Um, and his dad was a 40-pound poodle, so... He'll probably be around 50 or 60 pounds when he's fully grown. And because he's half poodle, he's very, very soft. And he's low shedding and he's hypoallergenic. So Rick, who is very allergic to dogs, has been around him for hours this week. No problem, which has been fantastic. And isn't he just the cutest thing you've ever seen? (laughs) He has this like beautiful brown, black, white mixed coat. He's extremely well-tempered. He's, he's really smart. He's already starting to learn how to sit and lay down. And he's already learning, you know, when to go potty and when not to go potty. And he hasn't learned it all yet, but he's getting there. And one of my favorite things about him is that he's kind of lazy, which means he's perfect for sitting down and watching YouTube videos and documentaries with. <laughs> it's just great. And he has his hyper moments. Don't get me wrong. He is a puppy after all, but he is super well tempered. But what I learned this week, what I really noticed is that Obi is 100% totally reliant on Amber and me. And if it weren't for us, Obi would already be dead this week. (laughs) Right? Obi would starve or die of dehydration this week if we wouldn't take care of him. We literally have to provide for the needs of this dog's life. Every need. We have to provide him food and water and shelter and potty breaks and exercise and sleep, teeth and hair brushing. And that's just to keep him alive, right? Not to mention, you throw on top of that all the socialization and training it takes to make Obi into a well-tempered, well-behaved, pleasant dog to be around. And that's a lot of work. That's a lot of stuff to take care of. But the point is that Obi relies on us for everything, every day, every moment of every day. And at the end of the day, we all rely on someone, right? Or something. But unlike Obi, we don't have a choice who we rely on, right? Luckily for you guys, you don't have to depend on me and Amber 
for every need in your life. I promise if you did, you'd be watching more documentaries. (laughs) There are two categories. You can choose. You can choose to rely on the world. You can choose to rely on yourself, your money, power, influence, popularity. You know, you can rely on the government, organization, the pursuit of the human ideal, better known as humanism. The, The list goes on. So that's kind of one category. And then the second category is God. It's that simple. And we choose, if we choose to rely on God, we're we're relying on his knowledge and his blessing and his protection and his advice. But it's not always so cut and dry. It's not like, oh yeah, I'll choose one or the other and I'm good for the rest of my life. Because sometimes we, we try to keep one foot in both camps, right? In fact, I think many of us in different seasons in our life have chosen to rely on something else other than God, which is why I titled this teaching Total Reliance. That's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at what does it mean to have a knowledge of God, to know God, but not to totally rely on him. And then also, what does the Bible say about what attitude should we have when totally relying on God? So if you would, turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 16. Did he just say Second Chronicles? Yes. You heard correctly. Second Chronicles. You didn't even know there was anything in Second Chronicles, did you? So what is in Second Chronicles 16? Well, in this chapter, uh, highlights the life of King Asa. And Asa is the king of the southern tribe of Judah. Now keep in mind uh, that after the kingdoms Israel, of Israel split, you have the, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And Asa, at this point, where we're reading in Second Chronicles 16, has been king for 36 years, right? And in these 36 years, Asa has relied on God and has been a good and righteous king. So starting in chapter 14, we see that Asa removed foreign altars and he cleansed Judah of idols and That's when he all came into power. And he also commanded Judah to seek the Lord and obey his commands. This is pretty positive stuff coming from the king, because there have been a lot of bad kings. And because he followed God faithfully, God gave, gave him peace and rest in the land. And we can really see Asa's reliance on God and the prayer where he's facing the Cushites. So in in 2 Chronicles 14, I have it up here for you. This is his prayer that he said to God. Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord, our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against the vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. And God honored Asa's prayer, and he destroyed the Cushites. He he shut them down. He saved Judah. And then the record goes on to say that Asa was fully committed to the Lord all his life. He brought into the temple of God the silver and gold and the articles that he and his father had dedicated. There was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. So this Asa guy seems like a pretty solid believer and follower of God, yeah? Can we agree on that? Give me a little head nod. Do you think Asa seems to be relying on God? But even someone like Asa, 
a proven believer, someone who has actually seen God defeat armies firsthand, is still vulnerable to the weakness of the heart. He's still able to turn from God and to rely on his own methods instead of relying on God. So this is where we get to chapter 16. Look there with me. Let's read verse 1. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and fortified Ramah in order to prevent anyone from going out or coming in to Asa, king of Judah. So Asa is in Jerusalem, and Ramah is a city just north of there, and it's the main trade route going north, and it's in Israel. And so when the king of Israel fortifies the city, he essentially cuts off all trade to Judah. So this is a really big deal. I mean, economic downturn, like people could start starving. It's a, bad, it's a bad deal. And so here Asa runs into this problem of this blockade. And now Asa has a choice. He can either pray to God like he did when he fought against the Cushites, and he can ask for help, or he can take matters into his own hands and try to figure out what to do on his own. Let's keep reading and see what he does. Look at verse 2 through 3. So then, in response to this, Asa brought out silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who lived in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me, as between my father and your father. Behold, I have sent you silver and gold. Go, break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. So Asa says, well, if I form a treaty with this guy, he's going to break the treaty with my enemy, which means he's not safe anymore and he's going to have to retreat back into his homeland. Right? So Asa makes this treaty. He sends the money over and it works. It works. His plan works. He gets exactly what he wants. Wait, it works? We, we thought that if we rely on ourselves, then things don't work out, right? Isn't that the whole point of your sermon, Josiah? Well, don't rush to conclusions, because there's more to be said about what happened in Asa's life. Did Asa succeed in getting rid of the blockade? Yes, he did. But that's not the end of the story. Look at verse 7 with me. At that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Aram and not have relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubin an immense army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose hearts is completely his. You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars. So Hanani pretty much just says, Asa, you messed up, right? You messed up. And if you would have totally relied on the Lord like you did in the past, not only would you not have this problem with Israel, it would have been solved, God would have taken care of it, but you would have also had the king of Aram handed over to you. And on top of that, Asa would not have had to give his personal treasure, and not to mention the treasure, treasures of 
the Lord's temple a way to get this to happen. The point is, there are so many blessings and opportunities that Asa missed out on because he decided to do things his way instead of relying on God. And there's an important lesson there because sometimes we think we're taking things in our own hands and they work out. But what did you miss that God wanted you to have? What did you miss that God had in mind and you decided to sidestep him? Now, Asa has just been confronted with the truth. He's been disciplined by the Lord, essentially. And when confronted with the truth, everyone has a choice to make. They can either do two, one of two things. They can humble themselves and accept the truth. They can repent and turn back to God. Or you can dig your feet into the sand, brace yourself, and feed your pride, and stand up against God's truth. Think of David and Nathan. Here's an example. Think of David when Nathan confronted him about the sin of Bathsheba, right? You're all familiar with that story. Initially, David was extremely angry at first. And when he realized that he was in the wrong, immediately he turned back to God. He said, I'm sorry. He, he repented. He showed his sorrow. And God honored him for that humility. Now, there are still consequences for his sin, of course. But God restored him. So now Asa has a choice. Is he going to do the same thing as David, his great-great-grandfather, did? Or is he going to do something else? Let's see what Asa's response is to being corrected by God. Look at verse 10. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him for this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. He just lashed out. Now the acts of Asa from the first to the last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet. His diseases were severe. Once again, here's an opportunity for him to turn to God. But instead, yet even in this disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. So Asa slept with his fathers, having died in the 41st year of his reign. So instead of showing humility and returning to God and, and totally relying on him, Asa remained angry. He resented God and didn't turn to him for help anymore. He didn't want anything to do with God's help. And Asa died an angry, aggravated, and dissatisfied man. And this is what I love about the Bible, is that it's real life. It doesn't sugarcoat the stories. It just tells you the truth. In the case of Asa, we find a warning. It's don't rely on yourself. And don't resent God's correction. Totally rely on God for his help instead of trying to make your own way. And on the flip side of this coin, on the flip side of Asa's sad ending, there is the correct way for us to live, right? So let's remind ourselves through the words of our Savior Jesus, what does it mean? What does an attitude look like to rely on God? These are the words from Matthew chapter 6 that Jesus gives us. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom, 
His kingdom, and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If we seek God's kingdom, if we seek righteousness, God is going to take care of the rest. And that's all Asa needed to do, was rely on God to seek righteousness, to seek to please God. And that's all we need to do. So here are, here are the major points, I think, that you should take away from today's message. Number one, always keep your eyes on the Lord. Right? So Psalm 16a is, is a good verse for this. David says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Right? So when we're going on walks with Obi, right? When we're going on walks with Obi or when we're playing in the house, Obi is always keeping his eye on me. Right? He is like, where, where is Josiah? And you can ask Amber Blessings and Nene every time I leave the room. Every time I walk somewhere or he hears my voice somewhere else, Obi comes looking for me. He's like, where are you? Now, he's getting better at hanging out with other people. But for the first few days, Amber's at work. I was pretty much the only person he knew. So he's getting better at watching other people and and staying with them. But Obi's always watching the person who's taking care of him. Right? He looks to Amber for direction. He looks to me for direction. Even Nene and Blessings. He he knows that, hey, these people are the people that are taking care of me. I'm going to keep my eye on them. He is a little stubborn. He's a lot like us in that way sometimes. But always keep your eyes on the Lord. And I want you to remember what Second Chronicles 16.9 said. It's just this absolute nugget of perfect truth. Right in the middle of this place you wouldn't expect it. The verse says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Right? Are you fully committed? Do you totally rely on God? And if so, you will be strengthened by the creator of the universe, the only true living God. Number two, don't resent God's discipline. So you can be like Asa or you can be like his great-great-grandfather David. Right? David, when he was confronted by God's correction through the prophet Nathan, repented and humbled himself. And Asa, when he was confronted by God's correction, became resentful, angry, and in his pride decided that he would no longer rely on God, but rather he would rely on his own devices and his own ideas and what he thought was right. And we are going to be corrected at some point. We are going to be confronted with God's truth. That's inevitable because we aren't perfect. We make mistakes and we walk outside of the will of God sometimes. And correction is going to come. It may come through the words of your fellow brothers and sisters. It may come through the pricking of your conscience. It may come through guilt that is given to you by the Holy Spirit. You, you realize that you've done something wrong. It can come through to you through reading God's scripture. And when it comes, I really hope that you are humble. That you accept God's discipline because he's only trying to make you grow. He's trying to make you better. He's trying to let you live the life that he designed. Number three, 
Always remember, go to God in difficult times. When you are stressed out or worried about something or what might happen, your first priority, your first, your first, you hear me? Your first priority, number one, should be bringing it before God. First thing you do. And if you do that, you don't have a reason to worry. If you pray before him in trust and in faith, letting him know that you think you, he can handle your problem, if you bring it to him and say, hey God, I think you can handle this, of course he can. Then he's going to honor that. He wants to take care of us. Total reliance. It's simple. It's a simple truth. But it's what's going to get us through this life. And I think you guys have seen the big picture here. I think you guys get it. Remember, unlike Obi, we all have a choice on what we rely on. Unfortunately, Obi has Amber and me. Poor boy. That's it. But we have a choice. We can fully rely on God. And there is no better thing to do. Do not rely on yourself. Because it will fail. So let the words of Second Chronicles resonate in your mind this week. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Let's pray. God, I thank you for showing us the truth of your word. I pray that you allow us to learn from Asa and the history. Teach us through your spirit on how to rely on you and give us the strength and the ability to pray and the focus that we need to look to you always. Thank you for providing and caring for us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.